All right, well, we're looking at the matter of choices. And I have said each of the times, just about all the times, what's another very important word that goes right with choice? Faith, right. Choice is not, certainly, we have a free will and we make choices and that does affect our life. But the kind of choices we're talking about are faith choices. Based upon God's word, we make the choice, depending upon him, to do what he wants us to do. And that's when God's grace, his empowering work involvement in our life, begins to occur. And so if you make faith choices on a regular basis, that's how your life just has the blessing of God, where you have that spiritual growth, you continue to see exactly what you need in your spiritual life. And uh, so that's why the simple series that we've been looking at is so helpful because we make choices all the time. And they're either choice out of our own just feelings, emotions, or it is a choice based upon God's word that is faith and we're moving forward. By the way, there's no neutral place in the Christian life. You're either moving forward or you are moving backward. That's just the way it is. And a lot of times Christians will go into what they think is neutral, really not be walking in the Spirit, just sort of drifting along. And it's like being on a river that's not seemingly a fast-flowing river, and you don't, you're not uh, uh, doing, you're not using your oars or whatever, just uh, sitting back enjoying the scenery, and all of a sudden you realize you're a mile back down the river. <laughs> You've just gone backwards and backwards, but you haven't really noticed it. It's been just sort of slow and and that's how it works. Well, that's the way it is in the Christian life. We don't make, if we don't make the positive, faith-filled, risk-taking from the human standpoint, it's not risk-taking at all from God's standpoint, but we make the right, uh, if we don't make those right choices, then we are going to be drifting backwards in our Christian life. And so we've looked at a number of things, and uh, to, today we're going to be looking at choose to be strong. Uh, I think a better word would be choose to be strengthened because we obviously cannot be strong. Uh, Claiming God's strength in trials. Claiming God's strength in trials. Now this theme has come up quite a bit. If you remember choosing to be joyful yesterday, I mean last week, a lot of that was about choosing to be joyful in the difficult circumstances that are inevitable in life. And I think that we have to, though we know from experience, we live on a cursed planet, we've got problems, trials are going to come, somehow we get this naive idea that somehow life is just going to be, once we serve the Lord, it's just going to be wonderful and there's going to be no problems. Well, it will be wonderful, but the second part is... um, there will, be no, there will be no problems from God's standpoint, but there will be problems, just oodles of them from our standpoint. And a lot of Christians, even the world we understand, but a lot of Christians just get overwhelmed and, and under anxiety and pressure and are oftentimes bitter, frustrated because um, things are happening in their life. It's not going like they thought it was supposed to go. And, uh, and so uh, they miss the fact that God's trials are really the greatest blessing that can be 
in our life. And so that's what we want to talk about. We, knew, choose, we need to choose to be strong uh, during <clears throat> the trials. All right. Um, trials are God's refining fire in our lives. He wants to help us understand our propensity to depend upon ourselves. He wants us to understand um, our fleshly ways, our coping mechanisms. He wants us to uh, really expose our motives that we have. And, and my, I tell you, it's, a, it's amazing how we think, you know, we've got the right motives for what we do, but let a trial come and then you see how your motive has a lot more self in it than you realize. It's always very humbling when that happens. And so the refiner's fire is to, uh, the idea here that she talks about is that God wants us to see ourselves for who we are so that God can correct that by God's grace. Um, I'm right now pre-marriage counseling for two couples uh, that will be married over the next month or so here. And uh, in fact, on <clears throat> Friday, I had both of them on the same day. So I, I had to remember what I said to one and then to the other, you know. <clears throat> but um, that's always a lot of fun. But one thing I always mention is, you know, you think you're pretty, you're getting mature in your Christian life, and then you get married. And you realize, man. Am I, am I immature? I remember thinking that back in my early 20s. I thought, man, I, I thought I was really growing into spiritual leadership, and then I found out who I really was. Then you think you're really <clears throat> growing, and then Junior comes along, you know. Oh, boy, got to learn the lesson all over. The only trouble is <clears throat> both marriage and kids continue on, and so it's just an ongoing, built-in I don't want to call it a trial. Blessing that uh, God uses to refine us. <laughs> uh, husbands are trials. I understand that. And uh, children are trials. But aren't, aren't they a blessing? Well, certainly. Um, uh, but anyway, we, we need to realize that God is constantly using circumstances. And many times, you know, we think of trials as all bad. But a lot of times they're good circumstances. But... There are nuances of them that uh, are um, not easy to handle. If you're really going to make a blessing out of it, you've got to be able to handle it according to God's word. And so therefore, in some senses, it becomes a trial because you realize you're not responding as you ought to respond. But we're going to take, and she uses really as the text for this section here today, 1 Peter 1, 6 and 7. Wherein ye greatly rejoice uh, now for a season, if need be, ye are in heaviness through manifold temptations, that the trial of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perisheth, though it be tried by fire, might be found unto the praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. Now, this is a very important thought here. The book of 1 Peter was written by the Spirit of God through Peter to prepare uh, the, those Christians for the next few decades that were going to be very much filled with trial because of Nero. Paul himself would be martyred, 
Peter would be martyred. I mean, a lot of things were going to happen in the early church that was really, um, you know, going to be quite earth-shattering for them. And so 1 Peter looks at every angle of the Christian life uh, through the lens of handling the pressures that we face properly. But I love these verses here because the trial of our faith is more precious than gold that is tried by fire, uh, purified. Why? So that we'll be under the praise and honor and glory uh, at the appearing of Jesus Christ. Now, we live in a generation that does not think eternally very much. We're very much temporally minded, very much here now, life now. That's because we have just so much coming at us. In uh, past generations, people were very aware of death, very aware of the shortness of life. I mean, uh, in earlier generations, uh, the life expectancy was 55, you know. So you're not thinking, you got this long life that's going to go into the 80s and 90s. You're thinking, you know, am I going to see my grandchildren? Uh, that's pretty much how it was. And then you have things come through, war and plagues and so forth. And so there was a lot of eternal perspective. But they did, it was a constant survival for most people like it is in third world countries today <clears throat> so therefore eternity was a lot more of a big deal but for us it we want it to be uh, but unless we're walking with the, the Lord it's not but the one thing about eternity and I I really try to let the Lord put this on my heart is that the judgment seat of Christ is a reality and we will stand before the judgment seat of Christ now, there needs to be a reverence and fear of God thinking about standing before the Savior at that point and being manifest for what we really have become by His grace. That's a sobering thought. But the most sobering part of it is that God wants us to be what we ought to be for the Lord Jesus' glory. See, that's the whole point of crowns. That's the whole point of having the acknowledgement in heaven is not that we get gratification from what we've achieved, because we've achieved nothing. Everything that's good in our life is through the finished work of Jesus Christ. <clears throat> so the greatest uh, burden that we ought to have is, Lord, we want to, to, in the greatest way possible, show forth how powerful, how good, how glorious you are, and to cast our crowns at, at your feet. I mean, that is just... And I tell you, when that grips your heart, it changes your perspective on life. But we don't think that way very often. Uh, whatever we do, whatever, whether we eat or drink or whatever we do, we should do all for the glory of God, even the mundane things of life. So <clears throat> the matter of trials then need to be embraced for the... Um, just the wonderful opportunity it is for us to have our issues dealt with over and over by the Lord so that we can be transformed and changed into His glory, that we can accomplish what He wants us to accomplish through His power and be more and more a man or woman of faith. And it's a, it's a wonderful thing when you look at it that way. If you really are thinking eternally and you're really thinking about standing before God, then, then you can embrace whatever happens to you. Or if this is what it takes, then I'm thankful because I don't like the way I am now in the sense of 
I don't, I, I want to grow more. Oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from this body of death? You find there at the end of Romans chapter 7. So that's a, that's a rather deep perspective. But I'm telling you, in the midst of a difficult trial, that really helps. Now, wait a second. I got all of eternity to live. I got to not gauge life on right now things aren't going well. And Lord, whatever you're doing, it's worth it because I want to be what I ought to be for your glory when I, when I stand before you. Now, one thing that we need to remember, and I say it whenever I talk, touch on the matter of the judgment seat, do you realize the judgment seat could be in 2023? It's a sobering thought. The shout occurred today. The trumpet were to sound today. We would be in heaven if we know the Lord as Savior. We don't know the exact timing, but probably on the front end of those seven years, uh, what goes on in heaven is going to be dramatically different than what goes on in the tribulation on earth. But the judgment seat will be occurring. So within the next several years, not way out there, but very possibly in the next uh, several years, we could be standing before the judgment seat. So if you're going through something right now, don't despise that. Realize, all right, Lord, you're, you're being good. I don't know when you're going to come, but I certainly I need to grow. And I need to embrace whatever you're allowing to happen in my life because I, I want to grow rapidly. And we don't want to get sensational. We don't want to... Um, I, I'm a little afraid about all the prophecy updates that you find everywhere right now. A lot of them are good, actually. I'm amazed at how on many of them are. But... Um, we don't, we don't know. Christ could come 200 years from now. He could come today. However, everything that needs to be in place for him to come is completely in place right now. 100 years ago, no one could have dreamed technology would bring us to the place that we are. And you look at technology, it is creating things that occurred at the time of Noah's flood. Um, Really unique genetic alterations were being taken place through demonic power. Uh, there, you know, you get to the G6 um, artificial intelligence uh, merging with reality, virtual reality with reality. Uh, that next level demonic potential in that is enormous. In fact, I can tell you right now, if the Lord tarries, we're going to be making some pretty tough decisions on whether we're going to be like we are now using technology like everybody else does. Uh, I can see myself having to say, folks, you can't go to that. Too much danger in that. Plus, one of the things, and we don't need to have a negative, fearful attitude, but the surveillance through technology now is incredible. If you lived in Beijing, they can find you in three minutes, every inhabitant of Beijing. And doesn't that have uh, a sense of the book of Revelation, <laughs> you know, and what's going to happen with the Antichrist? So things that we never would have dreamed back at the uh, rotary phone <laughs> okay. uh, or th uh, before that, are occurring now. I only say that not to bring fear. Folks, listen, we know the end of the story. So we as, all, as believers, we don't need to worry. And, uh, and we've got to have right goals as, as um, we look at all of it. We need to be encouraged. But we do need to be sobered. There's, if there's a generation that has no excuse about being serious for God, it's this generation right now. 
Uh, it is, I remember when the 67 war occurred and the Wailing Wall came under the jurisdiction of the nation of Israel. I was uh, just a kid at the time, but I remember the chill that went up and down my spine when I realized, wow, things are really developing. And that was my first real awareness that Jesus could come at any time. That was that Paul thought he could come at any time. So it's not that that changed, but an awareness of that occurred. Then I went in 1968, and I went to Jerusalem and was at the Wailing Wall, and I, I saw all of, of course, the enormous amount of security that was there. Still, they don't make it so visible now, but it's very visible. But then looking where the war took place in the, perim uh, the perimeter around Jerusalem, right by the walls, and all the uh, machine gun uh, uh, fire that was there, or the bullet holes and all of that, you know, for a kid... Uh, early high school kid, that is uh, a little bit uh, uh, not having faced anything like that. That was pretty amazing. So let's take our trials seriously and embrace them. That's my point. They're your friend. They are not your enemy. Everybody hearing me? There's a choice you have to make. And folks, there are going to be some days when you just, oh, this is really bad. This is, or it can be a number of things that occur at one time. You ever notice they come in waves? I can't believe it. You know, sometimes you just sort of brace yourself in the day. I've had about three bad, set of bad news. I'm, I'm probably going to about have three more. Let's just get it all over with at one shot here, you know. <clears throat> and that kind of thing happens. And you do get whipped for a moment, but then realize, all right, Lord, what are you trying to do in my life? And I'm going to count it all joy when I fall into these different trials. I'm going to make that choice to trust you and to, um, to have your strength. So remember, God's grace always is given there when you go through a trial. Isaiah 41, 10, Fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee. Yea, I will help thee. Yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. I'm telling you, some of the glorious moments of your life is when you have to turn to God because you can't, you can't work your way through it, and then the hand of God comes in. And that's some of the best moments you'll ever have. The presence of God is more important than anything else. And so um, God doesn't call on us to pull strength from ourselves. Trials are to show us that we don't have strength. Everybody get that? That may be the most important statement of the morning. Trials are not for us to pull strength from ourselves, but it is to show us how much strength we don't have, how small we really are, and how much we need God. We honestly try to do it ourselves. That's what I preached on Sunday morning. The Spirit of God is the only way for us to accomplish what we need to accomplish, but we can accomplish everything <coughs> in our life. <clears throat> Psalm 73, 26 says, My flesh and my heart faileth, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. So let's look at just some facts about uh, trials. They won't last forever. It's for a season, as First Peter says. Now, that's true on this earth, and it's true mainly because of eternity. 
sometimes there are lifelong issues that you have to face, but it won't be forever. And we, our life on an eternal timeline, you couldn't, you cannot even see the speck of time compared to eternity. Um, this is such a brief moment in our eternal existence. If we know Christ as Savior, there's great comfort in knowing whatever God's doing, it's worth it, and I've got an eternity, and that really does help. Uh, so keep that in mind. That's a very important. But also, um, here on this earth, uh, God gives us reprieves. He will never test us above that which we are able. And uh, Psalm 30, verse 5, reminds us, Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. That verse became very real to me as a young man. Uh, Wayne III, you know about his, his brain tumor trial, most of you do, uh, when he was two and a half. Well, at one year of age, and I don't know how much this played into it, he had a rare blood disorder, of all things. It was really weird. His reticulocyte count went down to almost nothing, and uh, he was really on the edge. We were at Loyola Hospital there uh, for that one, and they had a whole team of doctors that uh, worked. I mean, it was nip and tuck, so we've had two um, times in which we just about lost uh, Wayne III. And, um, and I remember, of course, man, that was my first real experience with personal trial. My mother had, was experiencing uh, physical problems, but this one was right to home because of uh, uh, the way it was. And I remember hearing a song that's built upon weeping may endure for a night, but joy cometh in the morning. And I remember thinking, oh, the Lord just said, hold on, there'll be joy. Uh, I'll bring you through this. And, um, and of course he did. It was a wonderful thing. Um, 2 Corinthians 4.17, For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory, while we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, uh, seen for they are t those things are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. So again, keeping our eye on the eternal and also knowing that God will he always will meet the need. You will get through that uh, situation. Some of them have longer-term repercussions. But remember, whatever the trial is, God's constantly using it for good. Constantly using it. Constantly using it. And to embrace it is very, very important. Now, uh, there is a heaviness through manifold uh, temptations, as Peter says. And uh, we don't need to have a, um, sometimes we just sort of have platitudes, we have, we get a little pious about it. Well, God's always good, and He is. I like that statement. I don't want to demean the statement because I'll say it often. But sometimes um, it's really not good what's going on, okay? And so prayer is your opportunity not to complain to the Lord in an unbelieving way, but to say, Lord, I'm hurting. I don't understand I'm so thankful for my father. I often give him as an illustration. Dad was so honest in his prayer. Lord, I don't understand this. What are you doing? You know, he, when you walk with God like my dad did, you can talk that way. <clears throat> I remember, whoo. Uh, but uh, he was just honest. But it sort of reminds you of Psalm 13. How long will thou forget me, O Lord? Forever? <laughs> Quite the prayer there. How long will thou hide thy face from me? How long shall I take counsel in my soul, having sorrow in my heart daily? 
Psalm 28, 1, Unto thee will I cry, O Lord, my rock. Be not silent to me, lest if thou be silent to me, I become like them that go down into the pit. Hear the voice of my supplications when I cry unto thee, when I lift up my hands toward the holy oracles. Psalm 69, 1, Save me, O God, for the waters are come into my soul. I sink in deep mire where there is no standing. I am come into deep waters where the floods overflow me. I am weary of my crying. My throat is dried. Mine eyes... Fail while I wait for my God. Pretty honest prayers, aren't they? And um, God wants us to, he's touched with the feelings of our infirmities and we're to go boldly to the throne of grace uh, to obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Now, obviously, we don't want the wrong, bitter kind of attitude. But I'm telling you, you need to talk to God honestly about what you're going through. Be in the Word. That's why you've got to have lengthy times of prayer in which your heart is resting in the Lord. But sometimes it's just important to share your perplexity, your hurting, uh, because He does care. He already knows, but there's something about verbalizing it. In fact, when you verbalize what you're going through, it, it you all of a sudden realize answers to it while you're verbalizing it. Have you ever noticed, um, well, I find it all the time. I counsel folks, have the privilege of that. And so as a person is going through their problems, and as I hear what they're saying, I, after they're done with explaining everything, I try to really just listen to the whole thing. I oftentimes will say, well, you sort of half counseled yourself already. <laughs> You're already getting there. Uh, and that's good because there's something about hearing your voice and, and looking at the situation which gets it out of just feelings into objective reality, and then you can already start applying truth to how you are, and especially with the, the Spirit of God helping you. And I like this statement that she made. The purpose of trials is not to toughen us, but to make us tender. Trials are not to toughen us. Though we do get stronger in the Lord, we, we realize it's His strength. It makes us tender to God on our needs and tender to others. And I think that's a, that's a good statement. Psalm 46.1, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. So um, let me just say uh, one issue here is that God does not originate every trouble. Uh, Satan, uh, the curse on the earth, you know, just living life is a trial, getting older is a trial, all those things are trials. Uh, but he causes us to filter those trials uh, supernaturally and understand how all of those are being used by him for good. All will be used for good. Sometimes you don't need to have the answers where the trial originate from. It doesn't matter. God allowed it. God will use it. It's okay. God is working. And uh, that is a big, big help. Um, a lot of times there are things that need to be done in our lives and we just don't know them. I like, I'm going to go ahead and give the illustration that is given here. A woman was traveling across uh, uh, western Montana in a stagecoach with her baby. And the weather was bitter cold and, of course, stagecoaches didn't have heat or anything. So it was a pretty rugged deal. And... Um, and in spite of all the driver could do to protect her, he saw that she was becoming unconscious from the cold. 
He stopped the coach abruptly, took the baby, wrapped it warmly, put it under the seat. He then seized the mother by the arm, dragged her upon the ground, and drove away, <laughs> leaving her on the road. As she saw him drive away, she ran after him crying for her baby, which is very understandable. When he felt sure that she had wrong, run long enough to raise her body temperature, he allowed her to overtake the coach, resume her place by her baby. Now you would say that's a pretty cruel thing that that stage driver did, but he knew that she was, was on the verge of dying. And he saved her life by allowing that trial in her life. And uh, God does nothing cruel, but sometimes folks, our passivity, uh, the world's encroaching, uh, our lack of obedience, our feeling good in ourselves, or whatever it may be, our wrong thinking, um, God allows us all of a sudden to start having to, having to run <laughs> uh, and to wake up, and all of a sudden we're wide awake as to everything, and then God can just meet our needs. It's, a, it's an interesting uh, illustration I thought was good. All right. All right, what God does through the trials, and let me just quickly uh, finish with this. He draws us back to himself. We go back to needing him. And uh, Psalm 119, 67, Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I have kept thy word. In other words, uh, that affliction brought him back to depending upon the word of God and the Lord. He pre prepares us for spiritual growth. He, you know, folks, you know, don't make the mistake of thinking every trial is chastisement. Now, frankly, we need to be chastened all the time because we're just... But a lot of trials are to move us forward. You find that in John chapter 15 where the father is the good husbandman, the vine dresser, um, lifts us up. He causes us, uh, when we're not serving the Lord, he'll use trials to awaken us. But if we're bearing fruit... He purges us so what? We can bear more fruit. So here you have a Christian that's a fruit-bearing Christian, and God's allowing things to happen because there is so much more that that Christian can learn of the Lord and accomplish in their life. And those kind of Christians are very grateful. In fact, I don't know of a morning that I do not thank the Lord for the purging. When I, when I meditate on the Father, I just, that is a very real thing. Lord, thank you. Thank you, care enough to allow trials to come uh, to help me to grow. He purifies us. Uh, and so we obviously, uh, selfish motives, hidden agendas need to be taken away. Uh, we're more self-centered, self-seeking than we want to think. And uh, we... Also, God causes us to wake up when there's coping mechanisms, habits in our life that need to be overcome. Trials will be used by God in all of those areas. And then I love the, the thought, he gives us an opportunity to comfort others. And uh, there in 2 Corinthians, uh, one we often quote, who comforteth us in all our tribulation that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble by the comfort wherewith we are, ourselves are comforted of God. And I, you know, I certainly wouldn't have chose some of the trials I've been through, but um, many, many a time I've sat with someone and they've got a child in a bad situation or they're just hurting with something, and I won't necessarily even bring up what I've been through, but they know, they know I've been there. And um, it's a big help. God, when you say God will bring you through, 
God will meet your need. They know you mean it. And uh, so the experience of life will be one of the greatest ways that you can communicate, sometimes not even by sharing everything, but there is something about the reality of it in your voice and in your eyes that the Spirit of God is able to comfort others to say, all right, God will work. He'll bring me through. He is good. And uh, so, uh, you know, again, our ultimate purpose for trials is so that we can glorify God, but we also want to accomplish His purpose in being a blessing to other people. So embrace that. Whenever something negative happens, just embrace it. Lord, teach me everything I need to be taught. Help me to realize this is for my transformation to glorify You. And Lord, I want to be a blessing. I want to be a blessing uh, to others. And then that goes right with pointing people to Christ. Uh, It continually wakes us up to, to that matter. So... We need to choose God's strength uh, over our own strength. She mentions here about Paul and the thorn in the flesh. We don't know exactly what that was. It was either an eye disease or, as Dr. Jim says, I think I mentioned this last week, he, he thinks it's a person. It could be whatever. Uh, but it was constant. God didn't take it away. And uh, he said, Most gladly, therefore, will I glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure. I choose. God's strength is what he's saying, what God is doing. In infirmities and reproaches and necessities, in persecutions and distresses for Christ's sake, for when I am weak, then I am strong. And that you really are choosing God's strength by choosing to have the right attitude and not depend upon yourself and realize that God will deliver you. So don't resist. Don't do like Ruth and Elimelech and run from the trial. They should have stayed in Bethlehem, but they went to the place that uh, was the enemy, the enemy territory against God. And uh, be in the word, be in the word. Choose to rejoice. We talked about that last week and that is a choice and then wait on the Lord really depend upon him and trust him uh, casting all your care upon him for he careth for you thou will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusteth in thee Isaiah 26 3 now I went through that quickly is that true what I just said you got to make that choice you got to make that choice. If you only are happy when things are going perfectly, you have very little happiness ahead. <laughs> if you're looking at circumstances, and you're going to manipulate life if that's how you live. In fact, the best times in your life are going to be through the inevitable stages of life, issues, all the things that come just through life itself, and then you've got a spiritual warfare you're dealing with, and then God's gracious hand. So don't fear don't fear. Doesn't, isn't God good? Doesn't he give us great seasons of time when we're not uh, uh, you know, having issues? And don't compare yourself. As I think I've said this before here. Don't compare yourself to somebody else. What's gonna, what happened to them is not going to be what happened to you. It happens to you. I mean, God's, uh, he knows exactly what's needed for us. The issue is uh, to embrace it. Now, I'm going to finish with this. The trials that trip us up the most are not the big ones. Because you realize, whoa, I need God. 
there are those little irritating challenges. Your husband, <laughs> your children, uh, just other people, schedule life, the government, you know, whatever you want that irritates you. By the way, please don't watch network news all the time. All right. You don't need to add trials to your life. All right. You don't need to or get fool, fooled with things. I won't go any further on that, but um, God's in control and uh, things aren't getting better, but doesn't the Bible say that's the way? But, you know, we can have great moves of God. Our nation could have a real refreshing from above. We don't know, but we certainly ought to believe God. But it's the little foxes. It's those little things that we've got to choose moment by moment. Things didn't go well. The other day, we, we were so excited a couple months ago, our refrigerator died. You know, it's just bad when refrigerators die. There's lots of consequences. And, um, and so we were shopping for another refrigerator. And my son, bless his heart, Wayne, uh, he looked up the... the uh, refrigerator manual and sure enough we still had a warranty on that refrigerator man I mean that was a miracle and so that that we found that out because we bought the house so we didn't know when the refrigerator was purchased it was an LG so uh, they have a pretty good warranty on uh, so sure enough they came out and repaired the compressor and so forth all free of charge even we got a little refrigerator out of it during the time that they had to to work on it because they had to order parts and parts don't come quickly these days. And uh, so that was a blessing. We were just blessed about it until about two weeks ago it died again. <laughs> you know, it's really bad when you have a double trial on the same thing. Uh, and so, of course, my wife is not shy to check on things. And sure enough, another uh, repairman came out who was the boss of the whole thing. And uh, he said it wasn't uh, handled right. We're just going to get a brand new compressor, brand new everything. He just he rebuilt the refrigerator, and uh, it is really in good shape. And uh, but I have to admit, when that thing broke down again, I just you know for a few moments because I have to get the food somewhere, you know, just all kinds of stuff that's involved. And I got irritated, and then I thought, no, Lord. And I'm thinking, oh, three thousand bucks, twenty five hundred. You know, refrigerators have gone through the roof. Uh, now, you know, and, um, and I was thinking all that, then I realized, no, God just took care of you two months before. He'll take care of you again. And he just did first-class job and uh, took care of us. I just give that as an illustration because that was a trial for me um, because I knew how it affected my wife, especially with all we're going through with my mother-in-law. And, uh, but the Lord is good, and um, just you have to choose to believe him. Yes? We should be Yes, the coach yesterday, the, the uh, Kennedy versus Remington, uh, was a significant religious liberty freedom case. And um, honestly, one after the other of these rulings coming down are pretty amazing. Um, uh, certainly gives us a window of opportunity. I do believe our country is going to be in quite turmoil this uh, summer because of the Roe v. Wade overturn, the Dobbs case. They did the right thing for the Constitution and certainly morality that's the biggest issue. So we have a lot to rejoice about, but we also, that's why Christians, we need to wake up to opportunities and not get into passivity. So I appreciate you mentioning that. All right, a little bit longer, I'll let you discuss uh, this lesson there now at this time.